are Locked On Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are Locked On Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I clip Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. We are live on YouTube as we will be after every game this season. Hopefully they go differently than this one did. The Packers fall to the Minnesota Vikings 23-7. You know that. You watched it. It was difficult to watch. And for the second year in a row and the third time in four seasons under Matt LaFleur, the offense came out disjointed, disheveled, without a plan. They didn't play with any urgency. They didn't play with any life. They didn't execute well. I don't know why, for the love of God, Zach Tom was not in the starting lineup. And of course, the offense, especially on the ground, started to do stuff in the second half once he went in the game. I also don't understand why, when he went in, it was for John Runyon Jr. and not Jake Hansen, who did not play well in this game overall. So what exactly was the plan. And this is where we are now with the Green Bay Packers and Matt LaFleur. I'm not worried about this team long-term. They're going to figure this out, especially on offense with Aaron Rodgers and these young receivers. And when the offensive line especially gets healthy, this is going to look a lot different. But whatever they're doing, whether it's training camp, whether it's preseason, they and Matt LaFleur said this, that they need to look at everything. He's not lying. They need to look at everything with the way that they get ready to play week one because this is not to the standard. This cannot be how this looks in week one. You go back to 2019, the first year with Matt LaFleur. Yeah, they they won. They beat the Bears. They scored 10 points in that game. Could not move the ball at all. Now, that was a good Bears defense that season, but that was not a good offensive performance. Now, 2020, with no one in the stands, they went out and lit it up with Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, that was the season he truly ascended to be the best receiver in the league. We know what happened last year where they just get their asses absolutely kicked in every facet. That's not what happened in this game, by the way. And then this game. Now, there there are questions. We're going to talk about the defensive part of this in a second. But offensively, what What was that? What were they trying to do? What did they come in thinking they wanted to do? Because I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. When we found out that they were going to be without Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari, I tweeted, look, this is what they did all last season. And they averaged over 30 points a game when Yash Nyman started for this team last year. And they didn't have David Bakhtiari at all, you know, half a game versus uh, Detroit. And they had Elton Jenkins for half a season. And then you have injuries shuffling along the offensive line. Josh Myers gets hurt. You're playing a rookie. All this stuff. 
And they were able to put it all together. And that part of the reason they were able to put it all together is Devontae Adams. Clearly, he was the, the driver of the passing game in terms of pass catchers. Now, Aaron Rodgers is still ultimately the driver of the offense. It's still his car. He's still behind the wheel. He did not play well in this game either. He did not play well last year, and he did not play well in 2019. The only game of the last four to open the year that Aaron Rodgers played well was in 2020. Ironically, when there was reduced preseason, or yeah, no preseason, reduced everything, off seasons, all that stuff. What they're doing is not working. Now, last year, Aaron Rodgers came out after the game and said, we're going we're gonna to have answers for the too high stuff. And the following week, they went out and they lit up the, the Lions and we know the rest. It took them a little while to have all of the answers to look like a Packers offense. They're not going to look like this all season, especially if they continue to run the ball as well as they did. We're going to talk about that at the end. But they averaged 6.2 yards per rush. If I had told you before the game that they were going to average 6.2 yards per rush, and that for most of the game, they were going to be outrushing the Vikings. You would have told me that they won because you would have expected everything to work because when the running game works, this offense works. It didn't in this game. What was the reason that Zach Tom was not starting? I expect he will be the starter moving forward, and hopefully they give John Runyon Jr. the chance to go win that right guard job. And when Elton Jenkins comes back, it'll probably be Royce Newman's job, and that'll be fine because Elton Jenkins is just so much better. And when David Bakhtiari comes back, it'll be fine because he's just so much better. But this is now a pattern with this team making the wrong decisions on these young offensive linemen. They made the wrong decision in the playoffs last year against the 49ers, and it was a big reason they lost that game. They made the wrong decision in the NFC Championship game in 2020, and it was a big reason they lost the game. Adam Stenovich is the offensive line coach who got promoted to offensive coordinator. Presumably, he's got a big say in how these decisions get made, and ultimately, it falls at the feet of Matt LaFleur, and they have blown these decisions. There is just no other way to put it. It's not even second guessing because we first guessed it. We spent the week on the show talking about how Yash Nyman was one of their best five. He had proven that he could handle that 49ers front and they played Dennis Kelly anyway. Billy Turner out of position. Anytime Billy Turner at left tackle is your plan. It's a bad plan. They did not have a good plan offensively in this game. It was like they didn't know they were going to play until they went out there and played. This is a defense they practice against every day. Ed Donatel didn't do anything out of the ordinary. It's the shell coverage. It's the Fangio. It's the Staley. It's the Barry, theoretically. The Vikings played it much better than the Packers did in terms of execution. But they should know how to attack this defense. And they looked like a lot of what they looked like in 2019 when it seemed like they were just out there calling plays. This wasn't an offense. And I expected them to come in with such a better plan than they ultimately had. I expected them to come in and say, this is who we are. This is how we know we need to play. And so this is what we're going to do to show you who we are. And maybe they tried it and it didn't work and they had to make some changes. But then even the stuff that was working, they didn't stick with. <sighs> okay. All of that is true. 
All that is true. And on the first play of the game, they had a walk-in touchdown. Christian Watson on a double move. They got single high coverage. And it is a perfect throw from Aaron Rodgers. It is, in a, in a way, the, the perfect throw, the perfect play to start the game. You want to show teams you are not unafraid, A, to throw deep, and B, unafraid to throw to the rookies. And then guess what happened? They didn't throw to a, to a rookie receiver again until like the second half. I mean, they went drives and drives without getting it to Christian Watson, without getting it to Romeo Dobbs. The Sammy Watkins experiment has got to have a very short leash. If he doesn't show anything by like week three, it's just time for him to be an assistant coach. You need to get these other guys, these young guys who actually have some juice, who can actually make some plays up to speed. And the best way to do that is by playing them. But if Christian Watson catches that ball, it's a walk-in touchdown. The Packers have fourth and goal. Now, I, did I like all the play calls leading up to that? No. But they have a fourth and one to score a touchdown. That's two touchdowns that change everything about this game. That would have been three touchdowns, which is actually more than the Vikings scored. For all of the yards the Packers defense gave up, and that includes giving up two turnovers from, from the, the Packers offense, and in one case having to play on a short field. The Packers still only allowed 23 points to an offense that we had not seen to really good skill position players and a quarterback who is going to punch the right buttons in the offense if you keep showing him the same looks. We're going to get to this defense, I promise you. But for all of the negativity that I just gave you, and all of that criticism is warranted, they were two plays away from this being a, a tie game or something else, or you know, late in the game, they're not having to give the ball to Jordan Love. It's Aaron Rodgers with a chance to go down and win the game. There was good stuff in flashes. We saw A.J. Dillon as a, a pass-catching weapon led this team in receiving. We saw Big Bob Tunyon do some stuff in open space. We saw Randall Cobb with some clutch third-down conversions. We saw Romeo Dobbs make some plays. We saw Christian Watson absolutely dust Patrick Peterson on a go route. This stuff is in there. We knew it was going to take some time for them to all gel and to really look. We didn't, I didn't think they were going to come in and score 30 without their guys, without Lazard, without Bakhtiari, and without Jenkins. Had those guys played, I think the offense would have looked much better because the protection would have been much better. But every time they wanted to go hard play action into a shot play, the Vikings blew it up with pressure. Every time they got into predictable third and long situations, pressure because you can just pin your ear back and go. But when you have those guys, it would make it easier to get better production on first and second down. What I thought they would do more than they did would have more simple answers, more of the gimmies, more of the schemed up stuff. And they just tried to go out and run their offense. It was like Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers were a little stubborn. And rather than do the cutesy stuff, we didn't see jet sweep. Now they did throw in an end around. They threw in an actual reverse. But... I needed more of that. When the offense wasn't working, you, you need to find ways to, to manufacture offense. And the, their best drive had manufacture receiver touches. That was the reverse to Dobbs. That was A.J. Dillon being a monster. 
They got a chunk run to start it. This team, when they run the ball, they should be unstoppable. And they weren't because they weren't prepared. They weren't sharp. And the plan was bad. This is one of the most well-coached teams in the league. It is one of the best designed offenses in the league. It is one of the most talented teams overall in the league. This is not going to be some like nine and seven sneaking into the playoff team if guys stay relatively healthy. And if especially if Bakhtiari and Jenkins come back soon. I think we can at once acknowledge that this was a problem. It was embarrassing to come in and look this unprepared again. And that there was plenty out there that was good to make you say they're going to be fine. They just have to fix it. You, you, you can't just do the bad part and you can't just do the good part. They're both essential to understanding what happened in this game. All right, we are going to talk about the defense because it was not great. Before we do that, let's talk about our friends at Bright & Co. You do not want to be the person that goes viral on Instagram because during your proposal, your buddy threw your ring box at you and you biffed it and it goes in the water. I saw one the other day involved the toddler. She helps daddy open the ring box on the dock. Why are, why are you doing proposals on the dock? Don't do that. Ring falls out, goes in the water. No, no, but that's what happened. You need insurance and the guys at Brighton Co. have made it easy. It's the fastest, easiest, and cheapest way to cover your butt, the best jewelry insurance in the business, and they can do it in two minutes on your phone, two minutes. They turn the whole experience around, so it's probably the easiest thing you can do for yourself. No excuses. For five bucks a month, you can get complete comprehensive coverage, and it won't take more than a couple minutes on your phone. Check it out, bright.co forward slash locked on. Okay, let's talk about the defense because why? Why? Why do you not change your plan when the plan doesn't work? I get to a degree saying the best way to beat this Vikings team is to stick in that two shell, play your soft zone, try and defend the run effectively. And by the way, when Quay Walker was out there, they, they did defend the run quite effectively. For most of this game, the Vikings were averaging under four yards a carry. It wasn't until late in the game when both Quay Walker and Chris Barnes got hurt that this team started to let Dalvin Cook and, and Alexander Madison get going. Because this is what happens when your defense is not is not, first of all, forcing any turnovers or, or creating anything for you, but when your defense is having to go back out there because your offense can't manufacture anything. But why do you not change the plan? Like, I don't know why the Vikings ever ran a formation where they put Justin Jefferson wide on the left side of their formation because they knew that's where Jair Alexander was going to be. Why would they ever do that? And for a lot of the game, they didn't because they knew the Packers were not going to move and shadow Jair on Justin Jefferson. Now, the, the sort of conspiracy theorist, the most generous take is this is week one. It's a long season. If you have a package, you have a scheme, you have a coverage, presumably they do, for Jair to follow an opposing receiver, maybe you don't want to show it in week one. 
I, I can understand that take. I can I can sympathize with that take. I even I, I if that's what Joe Barry ends up saying, he wouldn't say that because you wouldn't want to say that. But if that sort of ends up being what we think happened, fine. I don't think that's what happened. They came in with a bad plan. It's the same story as we just heard with the offense. It was a bad plan. I don't know how you can come in and think that it was anything but a bad plan. You have some of the best press man cover corners in the league. And you're playing an offense that is famous for putting zone coverage players in blenders. So why are you sitting in zone coverage the whole game? And you have good players like Adrian Amos. Like this is part of this is also not a, a scheme problem entirely because on the long Justin Jefferson almost touchdown, he comes from all the way across the formation into Jair Alexander's or into Darnell Savage's space in the deep half. And they might have been in quarters, but into his area. And then Adrian Amos, flat-footed, doesn't really know where the ball is, doesn't really know where Justin Jefferson is. Like, you can't have a veteran player like Adrian Amos uh, that out of position. You just can't have that stuff happen. And it was too often that all of a sudden Justin Jefferson is running across the field wide open. And, and another one of the reasons for that is the pass rush did not do enough. The four-man rush was not enough. They they got some nice, I mean, Rashawn Gary had a nice sack early. Kenny Clark had a beautiful sack early on. And ultimately they had, you know, eight QB hits. They actually ended with more hits on Kirk Cousins than the Vikings had on Aaron Rodgers, even though it doesn't seem that way. So, they need more from those guys. They need more from Jaron Reed. Maybe this is a reason to get Devontae Wyatt on the field because he can create that quick penetration. The Packers pass rush has to do more. If you're going to sit in these two high looks and you're going to let them run these deep overs, one of the reasons why the Packers couldn't hit those same plays is the same playbook. It's not the exact same playbook, but it's a lot of the same stuff. It's a lot of the same comment or um, concepts. They want to get to the same things. Everyone is attacking these, these two high defenses, especially the cover two, cover four defenses in a specific kind of way. You know the plays that are coming and they just didn't play. We, we heard all summer the swagger, the confidence, the verve, the juice, all of the, the football cliche words that we love to hear about a defense, they are flying around, they're making plays, they're feeling good. And then they just didn't. They just didn't. They didn't look like that ever. And interestingly, the only guy who really looked like that was Quay Walker. Flying around, bringing bad intentions. And Jair Alexander played well, but it didn't matter because... He wasn't covering Justin Jefferson enough. He was not in a position to make plays on the ball. Eric Stokes didn't have a great game, but again, not put in the best position. 
Russell Douglas was fine. But then you have a situation where you've got Preston Smith walked out on Justin Jefferson. I thought Mike Pettin was on the other sideline. Did they give him the wrong headset? Was he wired in somehow? What, what was that? What was that? At a certain point when it's not working, you have to make some changes. Now, credit to the Packers. They, when you look at what happened in the second half, and after that first drive, the Packers fumble, the Packers force, um, they, by the way, they forced the field goal four plays minus five yards was the Vikings drive right after that. Then they force a punt after the Packers score a touchdown and the Packers have a chance to do something with it. They can't. They can't. Then the Packers give up a field goal. They turn the ball over on downs and then they do force a punt with 243 left. But the Packers can't do anything with it. The defense played pretty well in the second half, all things considered. But in the first half, they did too much. Now, all that being said, if I told you before the game that the Vikings were going to score 23 points, you probably would have told me that the Packers won. So like that's the that's the interesting thing for all the yards that they gave up. And it, it ended up being 395, which is it's not a small number. 6.5 yards per play. Not great. But they still only gave up 23. We expect Packers to win games when their defense only allows 23. Three of those points were gift wrap on a fumble. So, okay, for all of the bad stuff, they didn't give up the monster play touchdown. Now, they, they, Justin Jefferson one leads to a Justin Jefferson touchdown, and there were really two of those. But you get those fixed, and you're in pretty decent shape. This looked like a preseason game defensively. They just didn't look sharp. So part of it is the defensive players have to play better. But part of it is also your defense. If you can't cover Justin Jefferson and he's the best player on the team and they really only want to throw to Justin Jefferson, you have to have a better plan for Justin Jefferson than what we saw. Their plan was, we're going to run our stuff. No, until you prove you are good enough and you can execute at a high enough level to just run your stuff, you don't get to just run your stuff. And this was the case on offense too. They got so stubborn to just, we're just going to run our, run our stuff. Just run our stuff. That's their attitude. That, that, that's not it. That's not it. It's not good enough. It's not, it's clearly not, or it wasn't good enough in this game to be sure. And until you prove it, until you put it on wax and show it in a game, in a season, Aaron Rodgers said this, last year doesn't matter. Last year's nothing. It's this year. So bad plans on offense and defense and the players didn't play well. When Matt LaFleur is calling out attitude, effort, energy for a week one divisional game on the road, one of the biggest games of your season in terms of playoff implications, in terms of NFC odds, in terms of the NFC North. You show up with no juice for that. That is a Matt LaFleur problem, but it's also a player's problem. It's a leadership problem. Now, if they go out and, and destroy the Bears, we're all going to forget this. This is kind of what happened last year. They went out and beat the crap out of the Lions and it's just sort of like, all right, well. And they can do that. Great. But they have to go do it. 
They have, they have added the pressure to themselves to now have to go do that or we're going to be really, really concerned. All right, we're going to finish up here. But before we do, let's talk about our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a really fun way to have more on the line when you watch these games. You pick two to five players. And if they score more than the Prize Picks projections, then you can win up to 10 times your money. Up to 10 times your money. You're not playing against anybody else. You're playing against the number. So if you think Aaron Rodgers, no, in this game, Aaron Rodgers, 195 yards, he went under. If you had the under, that helps because you needed to have something else. If you had Aaron Rodgers, let's say, under the, the yardage total for passing and you had under for Aaron Jones rushing, under 50 yards, let's say, you win. You win, that's it. It's that simple. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less and they've gotten more than just NFL, NBA, baseball, hockey, golf, college sports, women's sports, esports, NASCAR, tennis, all the good stuff. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up today and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can get a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, they'll give you $100. Deposit 50, they'll give you 50. Enter the promo code locked on to get that free deposit bonus. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen, Peacock and Williamson. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Okay, let's talk about the running backs. The bright spot on this team. AJ Dillon led the team in total touches and it wasn't close. Led the team in rushes and it wasn't close. He was the featured player on this offense. 10 carries, 45 yards, and, and ran with purpose. Four and a half yard carry. Aaron Jones, five carries, 50 yards, 49 yards. Almost 10 yards in attempt, plus he had that 29 yarder. I don't know why he wasn't a bigger part of the run game. Maybe it was because they had him split out more and he was supposed to be a bigger part of the passing game. Aaron Jones was not a high impact player in this game, but he did have three catches for 27 yards, including a 22 yarder in five targets, was second on the team in targets. So between Dylan and, and Jones, that's eight catches. You had 11 targets. 11 of the 34 targets went to running backs. Tunyon got another five. DeGuire got another two. Now those were from Jordan Love. But that is, that is kind of what we thought this offense was going to be. A lot of running backs, a lot of tight ends in terms of the passing game. And they ran the ball effectively. The Christian Watson end around, that worked. The Romeo Dobbs reverse, that worked. So the running backs did their job in this game. They put together a nice game. It was the passing game in general. The receivers did not play well enough. I mean, the, the Sammy Watkins thing, we just, we just have to stop the charade. It, it just needs to be the other guys. It, it needs to be Dobbs and Watson. We can't pretend like he's going to be an impact player. And if he's just out there to be a comfort, he didn't seem to comfort Aaron Rodgers very much in this game. So if he's not comforting Aaron Rodgers, he's not being that security blanket and just like is where he needs to be on the scramble plays and the secondary reaction plays and stuff like that, then what exactly is it that you would say you do here? Because he, he's not threatening vertical like he used to. 
So I'm not I'm not quite to he shouldn't play anymore. But I'm saying the lease should be short because they have to get these rookies up to speed in a hurry. And we saw, I mean, Christian Watson was out there on the first play of the game and they knew they were, they were, that was the call. They knew that they were taking a shot to Christian Watson and man, this is a different game. If they hit that, it's a different game. If they hit that play, a totally different game because you just have to treat Christian Watson differently. Number one, and you treat the rest of this offense differently if they hit that, but they didn't. So if this is what the run game looks like with the backup offensive linemen, and this is how the running backs are part of the passing game, they're in good shape because the offense is going to be able to be more effective running the ball when, when the real guys get in there. Zach Tom looks like he is now a staple of what this offense is going to be. I, I see no reason to believe he's going to lose that starting job. Now the question is, What's going to happen when Elton Jenkins comes back? Ryan Wood reported David Bakhtiari probably not going to play in week two. Sounds like Elton Jenkins may not play in week two either. Um, although that seems that one seems premature to me. I, I understand the case for David Bakhtiari. Elton Jenkins came back sooner, has been doing more team stuff. I think if Elton Jenkins does a full work of team, a full week of teams this week of 11 on 11, that it makes sense that he would start against the Bears. But we'll see. If this offense continues to run the ball like this, I think they're going to be okay because all the stuff that the Packers want to do off the run game, they just weren't able to do because the offensive line didn't hold up. Play action is supposed to help your offensive line. It's supposed to help your pass protection. But it didn't in this game because the guys just were getting beat or the Vikings had a well-timed blitz or whatever it was. You know, that one of them, Michael Kendricks, was on a blitz. And so it was just like the play had no shot. So all the stuff in this offense that you run the ball for to set up the Packers, that the, the stuff that comes off the stuff, the play that is after the play, they couldn't get to that because the offensive line did not hold up. If it does, I mean, you saw this. Justin Jefferson did not win a bunch of like individual one-on-one man coverage routes. He won on concepts, concepts that attack a defensive style the Packers play, but that, by the way, the Vikings play. The same plays would have and could have worked if the Packers had been able to call them and protect. We'll see on the All-22 if that stuff was open. I suspect, at least in some cases, it was, but they weren't able to get to it because Aaron Rodgers was running for his life. Now, Rodgers has to play better. I didn't think he played with, it was very much like week one. Did not Did not play well after the early issues the early drop i didn't think he made great decisions by and large held on to the ball when he when he shouldn't have bad decision on the rpo i think that stuff is going to get cleaned up but it's he's got to do it he's got to do it all right a lot more to come this week expert tuesday with our friend Kevin Clark from The Ringer to talk about his Matt LaFleur uh, profile, which has a, it's a little less rosy right now because of what we just saw, because a lot of this falls on the feet of Matt LaFleur. But um, uh, that's going to be a great conversation. And then we're back at it. It's how you doing. Crossover Thursday and another live show on Friday to get you ready for Packers Bears. Um, Packers uh, tied, for the, tied for bottom in the NFC North because the Bears won. Bears stunned the 49ers. And so... They're looking up at the Bears right now. It is, it is the perfect time to get right against your division rivals to bring that energy that you need to have at home. So you got to go take care of business. 
Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775. Stay Locked on Packers.